0: Hey guys, it's Pegmal Queen, and boy, oh boy, is this podcast awkward because today's guest is, yeah, wait for it, me. Yep. When Emma Huddleston of the Booty Blog and City Yoga in Indianapolis asked if they could interview me, my first question was, why? I mean, seriously, like I'm an open book, right? Like you don't have enough of me already out there. Thanks to the internet, I feel like anything you want to know from me is really just a Google search away. But that's not um, really the whole truth. You see, most of my stuff is scripted. I write and I get to edit. My interviews focus mostly on the teachers I'm interviewing. So there were topics that I kind of hoped Emma wouldn't ask me about. But she did. Of course she did. She's a great interviewer. I probably knew she would all along, and that's why I was kind of skittish about the whole interview to begin with. Anyway, I'll let you have a listen for yourself. So today, meet me, Pegmole Queen, unedited, and this time on the other side of the table.
1: Today we've got a very special Ashtanga Dispatch episode um, with someone who has never before been featured on Ashtanga Dispatch in this particular way. Uh, Peg Mulqueen is going to be interviewed by Emma Huddleston of City Yoga. So, Peg, let's get started. Emma. <laughs> and Peg's looking at me right now with these big, wide, terrified eyes you would have no idea. But let's just start, like... When did you first start practicing Ashtanga and what brought you to that method? Oh,
0: wow. Oh, wow, that's a complicated question. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so first, I didn't know when I first started practicing that the series, that the first DVD that I'd gotten was Ashtanga. I didn't really know. I think it was Lauren Peterson's, D- it wouldn't have been a DVD because I don't think we had DVDs back then. Because <laughs> this was like 15, 16 years ago. So I just needed something to follow. And if I tell this story, oh, this is a terrible story, it's because I was taking a yoga class at a gym, and very briefly, and the teacher was pregnant, and she needed a so she needed somebody to teach. And I was already working in education. And she said, you know, that whole thing, you should teach. And I said, how hard could it be? but that made me go investigate, so I had to look further. So that was what I could find. And so I started practicing that and trying to understand the sequencing and things like that. Now mind you, I knew nothing, right? So I really was dumb and <laughs> in a lot more ways than one. But it did spark my interest. And so as with anything, you know you teach, when you start to teach, you get more interested. Right. It's like it like ups the ante. And so where I wouldn't have dove in so quickly, I dove in. Now, that being said, I found out later that it was Ashtanga. And in a really kind of not so nice way, like I had somebody who was practicing and she was getting ready to go to India. And this is the way she explained it to me. She said, We're gonna do the primary series. And at a certain time, you'll get kicked out. And I was like, they're mean, what do you mean I'll get kicked out? And she's like, yeah, when you can't do something they just tell you to leave. I was like, no way. So I remember she needed to practice primary series so I started practicing it with her and we got to write the big hump in the middle and I couldn't do something and she said, they'll ask you to leave now. And that's what she was basically telling me.
1: Leave. So what was, what was the big
0: something for you? Uh, you know, I can't really remember right now. If you asked me now, it's like Navasana, because Navasana is so hard. But I think it probably was Marichasana D. I'm thinking that's probably where I was. It might have been a, uh, something with hips probably, mm-hmm. so hard. And, but I just remember feeling really not so good about myself because of the way it was translated they'll kick you out. So I thought, I don't want to practice that. I want to practice something that kicks people out. Like that's dumb. So then I did everything, every other kind of yoga you can think of for years. I did power vinyasa. I did Shiva Ray. I did Bikram. I did rocket. I did every, every other style. And really kept getting drawn back to primary series. I tore a hamstring and I needed to heal it. And so I came to Ashtanga because I had read that the primary series could heal. I took a book, it was John Scott's book. I took it with me to Montana one summer and I just went page by page and retaught myself, this time not through a CD, but started teaching myself primary series. When I got back, I started doing lead half classes and practicing that way. My first Mysore experience was with David Kyle, and he likes to say that he, he converted me, and he's right, he did. Because as soon as I walked in, like most people, I like walked right up to him and I said, I have a hamstring injury, right? I'm hurt. It happened like a year ago, like, or it's nine months ago. And he said, that's scar tissue. (laughs) But he worked with me individually and he was so helpful. He didn't kick me out. He was so kind. And he taught me so much in that week with him in Mysore. It was, it was beautiful. It really did. He really did convert me and he helped me heal me through the practice. And that was important in more ways than one, right? It wasn't just physical. He healed like that whole idea that I'm not good enough or I don't belong here. I was hurt. Like I walked in immediately saying, this is what's wrong with me, you know? And he was just so lovely. He made a joke, he made me smile. And then he worked me. Oh my gosh, straight legs. He wouldn't let me like bend my knees, like everybody tells you to do. And then he explained to me why, because it helped heal because the scar tissue had so formally formed that it was so tight that it actually needed to loosen up. So I I learned so much in that week. And that was probably a good 10 years, a decade after I first got that first CD. So I really do everything the long way. (laughs) That, like, should be the title of my bio. I took the long way around. Everything.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so that was 10 years after you, you know, got your first DVD experience. Mm-hmm. You had your first Mysore experience. And you feel like, you know, you were christened and newly baptized as an Ashtangi. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, how, like, how long ago was that from today?
0: Oh, that's uh, six, seven years ago, six okay. or seven years ago. I'm not really good with dates. I think yeah. that's about it. 2008. It's on Facebook. Thank God for Facebook. I think it's on Facebook.
1: (laughs) There we go. So when did you, I mean, because David Greaves is is like your teacher. When did you find him and how did you find him?
0: (laughs) That is such a funny story. Okay. He pissed me off. Oh my God. He made me so mad. So I had read a blog that he did and his blog was You can't have everything, kind of. You know, it was one of those like, you have to choose. I guess I liked it in a way. It spoke to me, even though I didn't really love the message because I'm sort of one of those that, why can't you have it all? I'm a strong woman, I can do it all. I can be a mom, I can be a teacher, I can be a student, I can do everything. But there was some truth to what he wrote and it was so raw and honest that it drew me in. So I wanted to meet him and he was gonna be in the Outer Banks for a week. Can't believe I took a whole week because I never would usually do that travel away, but I decided it was worth it and I didn't know anybody. So I went uh, down to the Outer Banks and I went to his week long intensive. I walked in and everybody knew each other, like, and I didn't know anybody. And it felt kind of odd. I felt a little stand backish. And so I went to the back of the room, which I do normally anyway when I practice, but especially reserved. Went to the back of the room, kind of wanted to just blend in. He met me once. He just, you know, asked me what my name was. And there are like 35, 40 people in the room. You'd think he wouldn't remember my name. Oh God, he remembered my name. I mean, he yelled my name the whole time I practiced. Especially when I got to backbends. So at that point I was practicing the intermediate series, which is to me the hardest ever. Backbends were so hard, painful. I had pain in my low back. You know, I would just kapatasana, just get it over with. It was awful. So I get to ustrasana. Uh, That's when it starts. No, it started in upward dog. Peg, feet closer, legs closer. I do it a little bit. You know, like, how close does he mean? Oh, no, he meant closer. A lot closer. So I bring him closer. And fine, then he'd ignore me. Ustrasana, peg, knees closer, knees closer. I'd bring him a little closer. No, closer. You would you would die. Like I was like, he's insane. And he's yelling at me and I'm like dying back here. I mean, doesn't he know how hard this is? Then I get to Kapatasana and he totally does it again. Knees closer, use your legs, come. But he comes over to me and he actually helps me in Kapatasana, puts me in. And quickly, but but it felt okay, but I'm still shaking because first of all, he's yelling at me a lot. Then I uh, practiced Krandavasana and I landed Krandavasana and he walked by me and he looked at me and he goes, you keep landing like that and you'll never lift and walked away. Like, didn't he? And I was like, Bastard. And so then I really want to get out of the room, right? This is my first time. I'm already feeling left out. He's yelled at me the whole time. He knows my name from the front of the room. Peg, no, peg, no. I should have gotten used to it then because I hear it so much now. Then I get to my back bends. And I drop back. I stand. I do three back bends from the floor. I drop back and stand up three times. I do three handstand drop overs, which is at that point what I was doing. And I stand and I wait, right? And I wait and I wait. And I wait, and he's all over. Like, he's like a ninja in the room. It's like ridiculous. He's like everywhere. And I just want to get out of there. And his assistant comes over to me, and she takes Joanna, and she takes like pity on me. And she says, do you want me to give you your dips? And I was like, please. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm like mad. And she does my three dips. And she's giving me the squish, right? Like, you love the squish. I love the squish. So I'm like so happy. And I'm happy because I'm going to leave. And I hear his voice. Peg did you do your backbends? I look up at Joanna and I'm like, is he serious? And she just goes. So I stand up. And what do you think he says to me? Legs closer. Legs closer. Straighten your legs. Reach up. I was like doing this like this. And I mean, he yelled at me the entire time I was doing my backbends. My heart was pounding. I was like shaking in a way, and I had no pain. But at the time that didn't occur to me. All that occurred to me at the time was that I was shaking and pissed off. So he does all of that, right? Yells at me, makes me do three, four, I don't know, straight legs, closer, whatever. I go to sit down and do my forward fold. Do you think he, no, no squish, he walks away. I don't know where he's gone, he's gone. But I do my finishing and I leave. And I get out into the parking lot and I call my friend Michael and I'm like, Oh my God, I cannot believe what just happened. He yelled at me the whole time. I've never been yelled at like that in my practice ever, ever. Like it was awful. I can't believe it. And I'm so mad and I'm shaking and he starts laughing. He's laughing on the other end. And then I realize, oh my God, I have to go back. I have to go back. It was visceral. Like it was It was something that spoke to me on a very energetic level. And yes, it made me mad. Um, It upset me. But I had no pain. And that wasn't something that I was practicing without at that time. I thought low back pain was par for the course. I thought, that's what you felt. Everybody felt that in back bends. And I didn't know that I needed to wake up. I needed to wake up. I was on autopilot. So... So I went back the next day. I did everything he told me to do. I was still mad, I won't lie. Like, this little epiphany wasn't quite as strong then. I still was feeling quite emotional. And he didn't even notice that I was upset and just went about his business. I guess I did everything he asked me to do, so there was no need to scream my name anymore. We make a joke about it now like we talked about it and he like had no idea like how like angry I was. He had no idea the story that I had going on in my head or anything, but maybe it doesn't matter. What mattered was that there was a real strong connection energetically and that he again took me out of pain. So, I guess there is kind of it's not funny. Like I don't think I ever realized that until right now. There's a connection between the two. Both times, both introductions took me out of pain. Both teachers helped immensely in that area, and that's really important as a student, Like, right? Like, uh, pain is not the experience, and sometimes we don't know a way out, and I certainly didn't, and sometimes we confuse it as the experience. So although he yelled at me a lot, he also took away some suffering or helped me find my way out, anyway. Yeah. So it's a long, I mean, that's how it started, and there are a lot more no pegs along the way, mm-hmm. more, a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So, I mean, so, so where do you think that anger came from? What was it that pissed you off so much?
0: Yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't know. I think part of it was that, you know, I had a pretty strong practice. Like, I'm used to doing things well. I'm not used to somebody yelling at me. And I certainly don't really like to have help. And this was uncomfortable for me even to have, right? To have this camera and microphone and everything, right? (laughs) Like it's sort of, even though people probably don't realize it, I'd rather put other people in the spotlight, right? And I really don't want attention, so much attention like this called to me. And because I don't want to be revealed as a fraud or that I don't know. And him yelling no was a very clear indication that there were things I didn't know, which I really do already know that there's so much I don't know. I just think that if I could just not share that or like maybe I fool everybody, but we don't. And like there was nothing for me to be afraid of. He wasn't, there wasn't any, Ang- there wasn't anything attached on his end to it. Like, he just didn't want me to be hurt. He just saw the pattern that I was in and that it was a dead end. And he was just turning me around, giving me directions in another way. But so often, right, You, I saw that as I was doing it wrong. There was something wrong with me, something wrong with me. It's probably why I didn't tell anybody how much pain I was in. There's so much wrong, there's something wrong with me. You know, and so some people they react to that ways different, right? Some people would feel kind of rejected or bad about themselves. I just I got angry. There must be something wrong with him. <laughs> 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 it was a defense mechanism, you know, and in me that's really all it was. It's just me defending off those feelings of not being worthy and not being good enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, that vulnerability. Yeah. So, I mean, you hear it all the time, and like, you know, anger is a secondary emotion. So, I mean, do you think that that, like, fear of not being good enough, that fear of being, you know, exposed, was that the, like, primary emotion that was driving that? Fear? Yeah. Do you think fear
0: was it? Have you been talking to him? <laughs> you think fear is my. Yes, totally. Oh my God. Yes. Fear. Yes. Yes. I'm scared. I'm scared a lot. I'm scared often. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we all are. We all are. So, but so despite all of this fear, you know, you've gone on to create this um, dispatch, <laughs> which um, is, you know, I see it as the, the voice for Ashtanga in America. Whoa. And, and so I mean, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, um, you know, you you know, you are out there, you know, actively working to collect um, and curate, um, you know, the voices of uh, the teachers who are really, really meaningful. Um, you know, in the I shouldn't just say in the in the states, but I mean, you know, from from all over the world. So, um, so you know, how did you go from somebody who is afraid of being exposed to lots and lots of exposure? <laughs>
0: going to surprise people, right? Uh, I wasn't really thinking. Had I thought maybe I wouldn't have done it. Had I thought that this was going to be what it is now, I probably don't know that I would have stepped into it, right? All I wanted to do really was to share this practice that there were other people I realized that also didn't feel good enough and it was sort of epidemic And so I wanted to create a really welcoming and loving environment. And I really can tell you that it has healed me in so many ways that the practice has and that I have found so much joy and I love the practice and to practice. And the the more I practice, the more I learn, the more I love, but I realized there were so many people that felt not good enough and so, we made a funny video. And literally, Jen and I were sitting at my house drinking tea. And she says, we were talking about how to convey that message. So we were like, oh, we need a name. So Jen said, how about a stronger dispatch? And I was like, what does that mean? And she goes, well, you know, dispatch, like you're spreading the word, you're sending it out. I was like, okay, that sounds good. And I was like, let's do a video. And she was like, okay. So I was just starting like with this little flip camera. I was just doing it to be goofy. We went outside on my sidewalk and we did some goofy video about stronger Dispatch and like introducing it. But we did it in a really funny way. Um, I can't remember the song. It's on Facebook. Everything's on Facebook all the time. But it was kind of poking fun at ourselves, but also inviting people in. So then, I think it was Jen again. I think really Jen is the person who should be sitting here because Jen is the one, although the first video might've been my idea, Jen is the one who always has most of the crazy ideas. She's like, we need t-shirts. Well, I'm all over it. So she's like, I'm like, okay. She was like, let's get a logo. I'm like, okay. But again, this was just for DC. This was just for like our little room. We were just trying to tell people that you're welcome, right, come in, it's cool. Like, th- like we know how hard this practice is, but, It's hard for everybody, and it's okay. Like, just come. Like, that's the hardest part is just getting in the door. So we figured if we could get them in the door, we could keep them with the practice, right? We had to get them in the door. So we do all this. Well, it took off like gangbusters, right? So people are coming in, and they're drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. And... You know, I do write and so naturally I'm writing about my practice and it starts off kind of small, but then people are connecting to it. People, people were seeing themselves in what I was writing and students were coming in and finding the same kind of healing and joy that I found. And so it snowballed really quickly, really quickly, like really quickly. I was, if I'd stopped and thought about it, I might have stopped, but I didn't. And then every single thing that we've done has never been my idea. The podcast was Chris Lucas. He's my friend, producer, editor. And he writes me this message and he says, I really love what you're doing. You know, I'm feeling it. And he doesn't even practice a stronga, but he's like, I'm feeling this, this community, this online community that's forming. You should do a podcast. And I said, do people still listen to those? <laughs> and he said, have you heard of cereal? And I said, no, but I guess I'm gonna go look. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were just gonna do a few and just like see how that went. Oh my gosh, like, like so many people, right? And they're like, thank you so much. Like they're practicing in their houses and their living rooms or small community self-practice getting together or they have children um, or they can't travel and they can't meet these teachers. And this is giving them a lifeline. And they're like getting to learn and getting to feel a part of the community that there is one and that they are a part of it and that they are actually making it. They're making it. And the teacher is so generous, right? They were so generous. They come on and they talk and they they share of themselves so selflessly and generously. And it's like, it's so beautiful to watch. And when I hear from students and they write all the time, I get handwritten like notes to my house, like it's so cool, that, that says, I'm learning so much, thank you, so I would never be able to travel and to go. So it, you see, like what started off feeling very exclusive, right, for the gifted practitioner, the one that wouldn't get kicked out, you know? Um, the people who aren't broken, uh, the people who are confident, It was never meant to be that. You know, it it was always meant to be inclusive. It was always meant to welcome people in, always. And now I have this like way that I can bring that message that you're welcome and that you're not alone and we're in this together. And so bringing those together and then the magazine of course as well, right? The same thing, same idea, just in print, same thing. No different, no different. And so it's, I guess now, and I think that's why I get nervous now, is now I realize that this is serious. This is important. Like, this is an important message. And it's not not a game to me. Like, it was never a game. It was really just very local, but now I realize how serious this is. Like, so, once something gets serious now, I'm like, I'm afraid. (laughs) I'm afraid again, uh-huh. um, and yeah, but so worth it.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and as the, you know, as the world, you know, continues to move and delve deeper into the information age,
0: you know, ashtanga
1: was, you know, once a practice that was, you know, intended to be transmitted directly from teacher to student, that's the parampara, and that's what, and, you know, that's that's what we all love, but, I mean, it sounds like you're really trying to make something that's inclusive, even for those people that can't get to an authorized teacher. You know, people that you know, are stuck with a DVD or a book or...
0: Or me. Yeah. I'm not authorized.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and so, I mean, you know, to play devil's advocate, there are some that would say, like, well, you're not authorized. What the hell are you doing being the, this voice for Ashanga in America? So what would you say to that?
0: Dude, that was heart hitting. <laughs> no, it's good because it's happened. You know,
1: I, I, I figured somebody probably has asked us to that question, and I mean, I don't know, I'm not going to tell you my feelings on it, but I want to hear what you have to say.
0: Oh my gosh. So, with the yoga, you ever notice, like, when you're practicing, that you, like, at first you're afraid to walk in the room, right? You're just afraid to walk in the room. You're afraid, like, they're going to look at you and go, Get, you don't belong here, right? Then you come in, and there's parts of the practice that scare you, right? Maybe the teacher scares you, but you're not afraid to walk in the room anymore. But it, like, it always ups the ante, right? It, whether you're talking postures or um, teachers or whatever it is, it does feel like that this practice ups the ante and whatever your obstacle is, it continues to get revealed to you in deeper levels. So, yeah, there's fear. Yeah, if I hear that, oh my gosh, yes. To feel not good enough again, to feel, to hear the voices that are not just in my head but outside of my head, I have to take a a moment and say, why am I doing this? And that's how I do it. Why? Why? And you have to do a little bit of self-check, right? So make sure that it's service, that it's serving. And... Then feel the fear. It's scary. Yes, again, I'm afraid I'm not good enough. But guess what, Emma? I'm not good enough. <laughs> maybe that's it, right? I'm not good enough. And, and, that's, and maybe, it's not, it, maybe the goal is not being good enough, but being okay with not being good enough and just being who I am. And that takes maybe more courage than anything that I can think of right now. So that's how I handle it.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's such a valuable message that it's like, you know, none of us are going to be good enough, so how do, we deal, how do we deal with that? You know, if any of us could be good enough, then what would be, what's the point of even doing this practice in the first place?
0: Shit, we'd quit. <laughs> right. You know, you'd quit doing everything. I'd right. quit. You know, I'd quit practicing. Damn, I'd quit practicing. I'd quit everything. If, if I didn't do anything, if I only did the things that I felt good enough to do, I would not do anything. I wouldn't be a parent. I wouldn't be a parent. My God, did I feel inept and still, right? Teaching is the least of it. Teaching is the least of it. Sharing is the least of it.
1: So so, what are your plans to continue to grow Ashtanga Dispatch, or do you have plans to continue to grow it? Like, what's what's the mission from here, Peg?
0: I have no mission. <laughs> <laughs> my mission is to practice and to spend time with my teacher and raise my family and spend time with my husband and um, be, be a good person. I know that sounds like really weird, but it sounds
1: so weird. No, I mean,
0: (laughs) but I mean, that really is my practice right now. Like, you know what I'm working on? Like making sure that when I go into a grocery store, I look at somebody and i say hello and i smile we're so afraid to look at each other you know we're so afraid to be seen so we don't we don't see and so really that's what i'm i'm working on taking my yoga practice that level of focus and being with somebody and really being with everybody that is in front of me and that's so my mission is not like measured by numbers uh-huh. it's measured by people and the way i can be with people, and it doesn't matter, you know, like, I don't know, I just don't, I just don't measure by that, so I don't, and you know, for a little while, like, last week, I had this moment of panic that was like, oh my god, I should have goals, I should have goals, I should, I should be having goals right now, like, there's something wrong with me, and there's nothing wrong with me, um, I'm doing what I've always done, and that is just, just, do what I believe in. Don't let my brain get in the way. You know, like it's visceral. It's visceral. You know, it's visceral. Like it's like once you start to think about it, and I know my husband would hear this, right? And he would be, he's he would tell me, no oh, good thing has ever been done with by no planning. Well, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if we were like totally in the moment all the time, we would really see the clues, and we would and we would be able to steer ourselves without having to stop and think and and write things down all the time, right? I'm not saying don't be, you know, organized, but you know what? Even my day structure, the more intuitive I get, the more I know what I need, you know? The more I realize what time I have to wake up, what I have to eat, you know, uh, when I work best. If I just let things flow and really become in tune, really serious with my own focus and concentration and God, that's so funny because I'm so distractible. But, <laughs> but that's maybe that's like the deeper I get into that, then the more clear my path is because I'm on it, not planning it. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm doing it, not thinking about it. So yeah. I have no mission except that.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. I it's like a
0: big that. mission. It's an impossible one.
1: Um, so you're doing something big this year. You're doing something new. You are going to Mysore this year. You're going to go practice with Sharat this year. You did not just say that. <laughs> so I just, I mean, how are you feeling about that? Because, you know, you, you have been, you know, I'm, I'm a, speaking from a practitioner, practitioner who can't, my life doesn't I can't go to Mysore right now. I am not making it enough of a priority to make that happen. And so it's been nice to be like, well, yay. I mean, look, you know, look at Peg. She's never been to Mysore and she's awesome. So, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's great. So like, so now, I mean, you're like, you're, you're making this, you're making the shift. You're going, you, you are going over there. You're making the pilgrimage. And so I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts? What are your fears as you get ready for that?
0: Notice it hasn't been on Facebook. Like I said, everything's on Facebook. This isn't on Facebook. I am and I'm, I'm scared. I'm really scared. I'm going because, first of all, it's a privilege for me to be able to go, right? Like, how lucky am I? How lucky am I that I get to go? That I have the means and that my kids are now my son. I waited until my son entered college and my husband's so generous in allowing this time. My daughter is going with me, like, how lucky am I? And I have the financial means to be able to do this, to be able to make this pilgrimage. At the same time, it's so sacred to me as well. So I consider it very, very much a privilege to be able to go. I just want to practice. I just want to go and practice. And. Am I scared? Oh God, yeah, I just upped the ante. I mean, I mean, I now am gonna go to the very source and, and put, lay my mat down in a big group, which I don't love, huge, I don't love crowds or big groups. I'm going to a country that's gonna completely knock me off kilter. Um, I'm scared that I won't be good enough. That people will talk about me. That that I won't be, you know, ask me to leave. <laughs> no, I'm not really like worried about that. But but in a way, yeah, I'm worried that I'm worried that I'll be so scared that that I'll cry. You know. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to feel judged. And it's hard to put yourself in, in a place where you'll be judged or you could be judged. Yeah. And now it's safe with David, with my teacher, right? We have this great relationship. So like I'm spending February with him mm-hmm. um, in India. But every time you open yourself up to someone new or something new, you risk being judged. And so I'm opening myself up to that risk and because, because I really want to practice at the source. I want to make that pilgrimage. Um, I feel so blessed to be able to experience it and I hope that as the time gets closer that I will be able to focus on that and not let my fears create stories in my head because they're my stories. These are my stories. I don't know. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter what's going on around me. It doesn't even matter if the stories are true. They're the stories I tell myself. They're the stories I'm I'm believing, right? And so in reality, doesn't even matter because it's how I'm experiencing things. And so maybe I can shift my experience. Maybe if I remind myself that these are just stories and to remember the incredible blessing and privilege it is to Make this pilgrimage and to go and to practice that I can hold it as something special and not something to fear. Because if you think about it, gosh, Emma, if you think about it, everything that I've told you, I all every fear I've admitted to you, and that you're so damn good. You really have done a really good job. <laughs> every fear that I've had has turned out to be an amazing blessing, an amazing gift, you know from having kids, so scary, right? All the scariest things I've ever done have turned out to be the most amazing gifts. So why should I believe? Why should I let myself believe like this is gonna be any different? So I'm gonna let myself do what I let myself do every morning. Experience it, be in the experience, practice what I'm practicing here, smiling at people, you're right? Being a good person and being in the moment and um, being loving and kind and and showing that and being that. Being that. Not showing that. Mm-hmm. Being that. And just letting myself experience the whole practice. Not just the one that I'm going to do when I ache and inhale, right? But the whole practice. The whole thing is practice. Yeah. The whole thing is practice. And I'm facing a fear.
1: Ah. <laughs> yeah. and what else is the point of getting on our mat every day and doing ridiculous movements
0: what the hell else right. is the point what's the point right <laughs> exactly what's the point
1: if we're not going to you know try and use that to help generate some growth in other areas too because who the fuck cares in my language we'll edit that out no i have i have an e-rating okay <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> it you yeah, know, who cares if you can put your leg behind your head or, you know, grab your ankles or, you know, who cares? Who cares?
0: Who cares? You know, can you, can you, like, have the courage to come to your mat and, like, whatever it is you're working on, I don't know, can you have the courage to to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. to heal? Can you, can you stop? If, living your life, the judgments, can you just ask why? You know, like that inside body, we've been talking about the inside body, outside body, right? And only we can experience ourselves, right? Inside, right? People can try to explain like what the feelings inside are like, right? But we have to experience ourselves. Can I let myself experience myself without trying to get out of it? Can any of us, right? That's what we're there for, so that we can have our experience and be with ourselves without trying to change it, fix it, leave it, wallow in it, whatever, you know? Can we just be with it? And that, that, again, I say some things and they sound super trite and like cliche, but but that's it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So... What recommendations would you have for, um, you know, for a studio that has a, um, you know, City Yoga has a, a growing, you know, Mysore and Ashtanga community, uh, it's been, you know, it's taken a few years to get off the ground, I think, you know, it seems to finally be there, but so what recommendations would you have? You've built a program from the ground up. Yeah. And then you've gone and left it behind and moved off to Montana, and now you're doing something different, but... <laughs> So, you know, what What do you think is important in building a community?
0: The people. <laughs> the people. Oh, gosh. You guys, I walk in here and you're so open and you're so willing and you work so hard and you're so kind and you're sharing that. So was, remember the student last night, she says, I just started. And I said, really? You're new? And she said, yes, I saw somebody that was practicing at City Yoga, and they were practicing Ashtanga. And I thought, I want what they're having, right? I want what they're having. And so she came in. She she came because she saw people that were having joy in life, that were experiencing something on a level that she wanted to be a part of. It was kind of visceral again, right? It's not because of some great marketing plan or, you know, contrary to what we might think, a logo and a t-shirt, right? It's it's people and community and everybody wants, nobody wants to feel alone and especially doing something difficult. People want to feel supported and included Nobody wants to feel like it's exclusive. And what you have going here is that, is that you guys, you all that are practicing, you will be the ones that invite others in. It is the way you walk out of the room that will bring people into the room. Done, done, that's what we did. Nobody came to our room because of a video. That's the truth, right? They saw people. I mean, our videos were abysmal. <laughs> I'm like, they were really bad. And so you can go look at them and they're really funny. So nobody came in for those beautiful videos. These were not like big productions edited. No, they were just people. And we look like them, right? We, didn't, we weren't superstars. I'm not a rock star. I am an almost 50 year old mom, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what I am. And so like nobody was coming because I was gonna, I'm not, you know, not that. They came because we had joy and because we said all we did was open the door. We open the door. You're already doing that. You're already doing that. And that student last night said it. I want what she's having. I want what he's having. And as they start to see the way you walk out the door, they will come in the door. And, and sounds like yeah. inner body, outer body again. It does, doesn't it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we have to go outside to come back in.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, now we're getting deep. Oh shit. <laughs>
0: Let's not go there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so and that seems to be what you're you're mirroring, mirroring that too with, with the dispatch. As you are trying to just show, you know, with this, you know, collection of different voices of, you know, really, you know, experience certified teachers and then, you know, newer practitioners like myself, you know, like you have all this whole collection of voices. Um, so it's like you're, you are like curating that online community, too, that will hopefully help draw people in. I mean, is that, is that right? I know you said you have no mission.
0: So. I don't know. Is it? I don't know. Is it? I mean, is that what's happening? I, it. I don't know. Like when I'm interviewing, I'm just like really interested. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not even thinking about what I'm gonna say. I'm just actually, I just really talk to people that I really wanna get to know. I want what they're having, like, (laughs) you know? And so I talk to them, and I'm just really fortunate to have a medium. I'm really fortunate that, like I said, Chris Lucas, I mean, he, it's a gift, right, that he's doing. Like, I don't know that people understand this. Like, he does this for free. Do you, like, do you realize that he believes, this is my producer and editor, doesn't practice Ashtanga yoga. <laughs> he has no ulterior motive. He just believed that the message was something that other people needed to hear. He practices yoga, right? Yoga, not Ashtanga, you know, whatever you want to, like, he just really believed that there were people out there that could really use the, the welcome message, the the information, the ability to be connected. And so he gives of his time to do that and put that out there for no other
1: reason. So, what did you ask me again? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny how that always happens. No, but that's, I mean, that, that's, that's great. I mean, that's like that's a sign of confidence in what you're doing. It's somebody who doesn't even practice Ashtanga, who isn't getting paid, is doing all this work to help spread the message, to help be the outer body that's gonna bring people into the inner body of the practice.
0: My husband has a saying, and I'm sure it's not his, I'm sure he got it somewhere and it's a hybrid, but if you know the right thing to do, it should be difficult, if not impossible, to do something different. And that might be how I fell in love with him. Mm -hmm. In fact, I know it was how I fell in love with him. He's such a good person such a good person. It always makes me laugh when people say, "Just your husband practice yoga? No, he lives it. <laughs> no, he lives it. Aww, that's you know, crazy. what are you asking me? Yeah, yeah that's, and, and so that's kind of what this is built up. It's just doing what it feels to be the right thing to do. And if it comes to a time, Emma, when it's not the right thing, I will stop.
1: Do you know what the sign would be? That it's not the right thing?
0: Yeah, that that I get in that I stop being afraid. That's the sign. That's the sign. Yeah.
1: So how do you balance? I mean, you're you're a mom, you're a wife, you you know have your own career, you're a practitioner, you're a teacher, and you do the dispatch. How do you balance all that shit?
0: Not really well sometimes. <laughs> um sometimes it does get a little out of balance. And like anybody, I have to go back to practice. Practice is first, you know? Just go back. And I think I felt a little bit of a shift recently, and I reached out to my teacher, and I said, you know, I think I need some help. I think, uh, you know, I think uh, I'm just feeling like I need a little bit more structure, that I feel like I'm starting to float away, you know? And that's what I have a teacher for. Eh? But you recognize, you know, the more you practice, it's like when you eat something that doesn't agree with you or when you're not getting enough sleep and then you get sick or when you start practicing every day, like at the same time, you start to become very in tune with your body, right? You kind of know, it's actually hard not to feel good. So when you start practicing, because you know what it feels like to feel good, it's hard not to feel good, it becomes like a red flag. Whereas before, maybe I could go longer and not feel so well, but not notice because I didn't have anything to show me different. So now I notice those signs relatively quickly because it doesn't feel good, you know? It doesn't feel good. And luckily the practice has a lot of beautiful things built into it that help support. It's like a container and it helps support you and it's something you can turn to. And one of those is having a teacher um, the structure of a practice, uh, a home, you know, to check in, you know, and so I use those. So I just kind of go back to those, and that's kind of it. I go back to my container, and I, yeah, and that's it, and that's, that's really all it takes, and it's funny. You don't really stray that far. It feels far because it because you can tell the difference so easily, right? But it's really not that far, so it's hard to balance but also not so hard because the tools are right there to keep me, to keep me, in my, you know, to keep me contained, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to hold me. Yeah, to keep you in
1: your container.
0: Yeah, yeah. not in a bad way, uh-huh. but in a really safe way, mm-hmm. so I can be safe for me. Because right. yeah. <laughs> I, because I would probably run myself into the ground and be like Blah, all the time, you know. I would, I would cater to everything and and then lose um, lose what's most important but the container brings us back to what's most important
1: yeah it's like you need the container like we were talking about the string for the mala beads earlier without the container it's all going to scatter without the string for the mala it's all going to go everywhere yeah it's
0: the thread that keeps us together like you said like you said like you said
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can steal it it's fine
0: done okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, So one, one last question. I'm going to let you off the hook. Um, so you, you've got a background in counseling and education. How has that translated into your teaching?
0: Okay. So the yoga sutras, all psychology, right? Like, I'm like, holy hell. I went to grad school. I remember when I first, you know, broke open the yoga sutras. I'm like, whoa, wait a second. This is like psychology. This is what I learned in grad school. These obstacles, you know, um, cog- you know cognitive therapy, right? Rethinking, changing your story, um, irrational thinking, it's, it's so mind, but I didn't realize it until, uh, I didn't realize yoga was psychology. But of course it is. Like there's physical healing and there's emotional healing and these things are not separate. So in the, like, in life, I don't see them as separate. It's just my lens, right? That's kind of the way I see life is I just talked, I talked all about, you didn't, thank God you didn't, no more questions, right? You don't have any other questions? I I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't ask me like what I'm practicing, right? You didn't say what pose are you? No, because what am I practicing? What am I working on? Fear, trust, faith, right? So that's my practice every day. You know, whether it's in my asana practice or whether it's going to Mysore this year or, you know, or expanding the dispatch or whatever it is or or letting you interview me. You know, (laughs) (laughs) like that's my practice. And I don't know. That's psychology, right? Like that's that's developing good mental health, emotional health. And you don't have to be sick. We we're all sick. We're all sick. I mean, we're all healthy and we're all sick to varying degrees. So if we can use our practice to kind of explore and not not turn off the feelings, not hide from uh, these like things that torment us, if we can experience them in a really safe place, wow, like think of the healing, right? So physical healing, emotional healing. So when I, when I practice, let's just forget when I practice, you know, like, of course that's what I'm thinking. When my belly tightens, I know I'm afraid. You know, when I'm distracted, I know I want out. Whatever's is there is, I don't want to be there with it. I'm learning to recognize those things quicker. It doesn't matter. It can be, it doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter. It does matter the pose. Physical practice absolutely matters because I'm voluntarily putting myself in the position where these things are going to happen, where I am going to get scared. I am going to feel ripped open. I'm going to feel vulnerable. Um, I'm also going to be faced with ego where I feel good, where I feel strong, right? It's how I, and I can examine my reactions to all of those and be different or, or just let it be, you know? Just, just acknowledge it. And so that's all psychology. And I think that when I'm in the room with students, hopefully I don't have to say much at all because the practice does it. And if I could just give people a safe place to be and not bring in judgment and kind of really express that well, then maybe that'll translate to them being that way with themselves. And maybe I don't have to say anything about psychology or counseling or, you know, anything. And that just by providing the container, the safe place, holding students in whatever way that means, holding space, whatever the way that means, right, that as long as they show up, as long as you show up, as long as you're working with the focus, the concentration, as long as you're there, there, you don't leave, or maybe you do one day, I don't know, but you come back, <laughs> I don't know, then then you're. that's what you're doing. It's therapy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I heard you say it over and over again last night and I think in the room this morning, you know, that... You know, primary series is therapeutic. And I'm assuming that you meant that on more than just a you know, physical level.
0: I did. <laughs> I did. I did.
1: So, what's up with second series?
0: <laughs> Inner body. Primary is a lot of outer body. You know, it is kind of, sort of, usually we're just kind of get, making sure everything's working well and giving us building the container, building like building our boat, and then we go inside for intermediate, and that is far, far scarier, far more difficult, far more complex, and um, there's some rough waters, really, really stirs up some stuff deep within you, right? I know, it still does, still does for me, and I think that's it, but, but can I do it, can I be with it anyway, right, it's, again, it's not the series, or the pose, it's what it's bringing up, and how I'm able to sit with it, and how, how I am able to work with it, you know, what my teacher says, and I think this is kind of beautiful, like, you ever notice, like, that shaky feeling, like, the naughties, right, and he, like thinks of it or he said and I'll probably paraphrase him completely wrong so I can hear him across the country. No peg, that's not what I meant, but I this is, <laughs> the nadis are opened and they're they're cleansed but then a healing mudra seals them like we're able to go back and heal energetically. Because do remember, this isn't a psychological practice or a physical practice, it's a spiritual practice. Right? It's a spiritual practice. So I think really we're just healing our souls, like our spirits. Like we're learning to see God inside. But there's so much other shit inside me that I am still working with that sometimes, you know, I don't always see very well. And it's even harder to hold the faith that there is something there. Um, But things need to be cleaned. Uh, Yeah. But I like the way he says it. And somebody should go back and read and he should probably respond to it. And, but he, he said, it was like, I loved the healing mudra because that's what mudras are, right? They contain energy. And when they're unbroken and when they're, you know, pure and they, they contain the energy it, they hold it. And so when we think about that, part of that feeling is <sighs> that rising of the fears, the emotions, the, the, the stuff that we don't want, that we often would just keep pushed in and not, we don't really want to see it. But it, this like puts our bodies in positions where it brings it up. And yeah, so I think that's really what makes it hard. I think that's really, but I also think it makes it brilliant. I think it makes it really, really brilliant. And it also makes you crazy. <laughs> right, but that I heard, like it makes you crazy. But we need to go out of our mind a little, mm-hmm. a lot, right? Yeah.
1: So embrace the crazy. Right, yeah. I've gotta go out of my mind if I'm gonna find God, because I know no. God's not in my mind.
0: Oh, he is not in your mind. <laughs> Oh, no.
1: Makes sense. Well, I think I'll close with that because that was really lovely. Thank you so much for your time and for being willing to be interviewed. I know you weren't exactly looking forward to this. If I'd been thinking more, I would have scheduled this after, like, tomorrow's My source session because now you're going to have an extra excuse to torture me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, Emma, no, no, I don't do that. <laughs> no, yes, Emma, yes, no, thank you. This was relatively painless, so thanks. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, which, by the way, is actually the audio version of a broadcast by videographer Brian Sims. I also want to thank Emma for sort of taking it easy on me and City Yoga in Indianapolis for making the whole setup possible. I mean, I think I want to thank them. I actually haven't listened to the whole thing because I'm still kind of scared. Before I go, I do want to make sure that I let you know about some awesome events coming up in 2016 that you shouldn't miss. First up, Jen Renee and I will be leading a retreat on the Osa Peninsula of Costa Rica, March 19th through 26th. And that same week, I'll be turning 50. It's going to be such a special trip, for sure. I've even got my husband coming this year. Would love for you to join us as well. Visit ashtangadispatch.com for all the details. Also, Taylor Hunt and I will be leading a five-day mountain retreat in Bozeman, Montana, the end of April. And in June, I have David Greig also coming to Bozeman. Yeah, so it's just some really exciting stuff on the horizon with some really special teachers. Again, visit AshtangaDispatch.com for all the details. The Ashtanga Dispatch podcast was brought to you today by me, Pegmole Queen, along with the guy I gushed about in my interview, Chris Lucas. Check out his website at CWLucas.com. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, let others know. Give us some stars on iTunes and share this podcast on Facebook. You can even put in your interview requests by submitting them on the website, ashtangadispatch.com backslash contact. Anyway, thanks again. I hope you have a really awesome holiday and I will be back again next year.